Okay, was everyone able to get a, was everyone able to get a copy of the hard copy handout? Did anyone not get one? If not, I will I made sixty sets. And there's a few left. Okay, so if, if somehow you did not, I would make sure that I mail it to you. Second thing is, is that all of the slides today, we are not started yet. All the slides today are going to be on the portal that you can download so that you don't have to sit here and think you've got to write everything down. If there's something that I think is like really, really important to write down, I'll say something like, let me say that again. Now, that's your cue. <laughs> that you'll see it again on the exam when we're all done, okay? That's all, I always say that to graduate students. If I say, let me say that again, that means you're going to see it again, okay? Then the second thing is, is that all of this, all of these, all of these slides will be available to you. I would just ask, use them for your personal edification, your personal use. Uh, I mean, if you really feel led of the Lord, I'm not going to stand in the Lord's way, to use them for some kind of ministry, that's fine, but... Uh, Please, please avail yourself of this. My, my mission is to serve you, right? You're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. And I want to, you to be well-equipped, well-trained. I say well-trained minds and Holy Spirit-governed hearts, right? That's the best. So, all right. So uh, we're going to start in exactly five minutes. Any comments, questions before we get started? Like, I'm always interested, like, why are you here? <laughs> well, I'm assuming that you're here because you know that you're going to be involved in some kind of pastoral counseling ministry, right? That's what you do. Because, and I'll, I'll actually tell you why you are in a moment, all right? This is all good. So I'm going to give you a whole semester of graduate school, doctoral and master's level course in 45 minutes. You've heard of, uh, uh, what do they call it, the, the Cliff Notes version? That's what this is. So, all right, good. All right, well, I'll sit down and let you fellowship a little bit, and then we'll get started right at the half hour. My goal is to go for about 45 minutes and then have about 15 minutes for some Q&A. Listen, please be thinking of questions. I mean, I, I love it when you ask questions, challenge, where does this come from, how do you explain this, or, you know, there may be some situations that are really situation-specific, I'm, I'm going to be here all day today, so until my ride takes me home, but I'm, I'm here to serve you. So anything I can do to um, serve you, let me, let me do that, okay? All right. Uh, Jason Fellowship for a couple more minutes unless you want to get started early. <laughs> so who's our host today? This is Sheila. So welcome to Sheila. Thank you. All right. So, good. Um, Thank you for asking. Who asked that question? Oh, thank you. Good. I am uh, still on a very low dose of chemotherapy. Uh, I'm down to two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, I'm, I feel good. I mean, I feel really, really good. And uh, um, I still, still have that treatment. But if you saw me 12 years ago, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have seen me, right? But thank you for asking. That's very, very kind. Thank you. I was diagnosed 12 years ago with multiple myeloma cancer, and it, eat, it eats away at your bones, and my spine was just collapsed, and my hips had holes in them, and didn't know if I'd ever walk again and, uh, or even be here. So to be able to be with you today is like an incredible joy, just a great joy. 
I'm very grateful. Praise God. So, all right. Did you guys get a set of the handouts? Are we ready to go? Here's a couple extra ones here. Got a couple left over. If someone came in later, did not get a set of the of the hard copies. Get set. Okay. You're welcome. And sir, there we go. Hi. How are you doing? Good to see you. Hi. You got one. Okay. All right. Now, we're not going to probably go over these too much, but I just want to put them in your hands as a resource. And again, everything that we talk about today will be on your portal. You're able to download it. Uh, and then if you have any other comments or questions or want some feedback or something, uh, my, my best email is just, if I told you I still use an AOL account, you'd be all laughing at me. So I'll, I'll use the Emerge account. It's dlichi, D-L-I-C-H-I, at emerge.org. So D-L-I-C-H-I at emerge.org. I welcome you to write a comment, ask questions, or resources. If you just say, hey, do you have anything on this? I will do the best I can to send it to you. PowerPoint, slides, resources, anything to serve you. Okay, so you want to do the introduction? Or do you need to do that, or do you have to do it? Oh, I get to tell you who I am. Okay. I'm Don Lecce. I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of Ohio. I have served for the last almost 30 years as the vice president at Emerge Counseling Ministries in Akron. Recently somewhat retired, so they named me vice president emeritus, whatever that is. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm married to Marcy. We have next month married 52 years, and we have eight, I was going to say eight kids. No, we have three kids, <laughs> eight grandchildren. <laughs> Sometimes the kids are like grandkids, kids. But uh, what else do you want to know? Uh, I don't know. Ask. I'm from the Akron area. I served in the military uh, back in the Vietnam era for seven years. And uh, I was Air Force. I uh, served over in Italy and served in Alaska. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the last full marathon was 2016. The last ultra marathon was last June. We did a 50K. So anyways, don't be that impressed. It's, they give you 24 hours to finish it. So you can actually take little naps and camp. And I mean, I want you to be impressed, but don't be that impressed. <laughs> you know, you, you run for five miles, then you rest a little bit, eat potato chips and drink pickle juice. and. And uh, if you've ever run a, a long race like that, you know what that, you drink pickle juice to kind of keep your electrolytes up. And <laughs> it's actually quite good. And uh, so the, the last one was there, and we were going to do a 50-miler this year, and we decided to wait till next year to do it. Uh, we got uh, a couple, we're going to do the half marathon in Akron in the fall, Lord willing, and raise, all these I used to raise money for causes that emerged, you know, like our Rahab ministry for women who've been trafficked and... Uh, I serve on uh, an inner city school in Akron, Ohio. It's a school about 90% of the children are at risk. It's a pre-K through eight school, 100% uh, African-American. I love that culture that has helped me learn so much about me and questioning, you know, just some of my presupp you know, presuppositions. And I have just loved serving on that board a lot. I've been for about 15 years serving on Chapel Hill or on uh, Emmanuel's board. And uh, so... 
Uh, what else do you want to know? This is all good. Ask me a hard question. And the, the psychologist? Yeah, psychology. So out of a very painful experience in my own life, I lost a brother in a drowning accident when we were teenagers. I was 13, he was 15, and uh, died in a, in a high school gym class. He had been subject to seizures, and those of you that know anything about seizure disorders know that many times uh, someone with a seizure disorder has something called an aura, that they know they're going to have a seizure. Well, we think that my brother Ken knew he was going to have the seizure, and instead of having it in front of his friends, talk about the power of self-concept, right? He went into the water and never came out alive. So, so it was out of that painful experience that a counselor, I didn't know it was a counselor, I had no idea what a counselor was, but this guy came down to the classroom, brought me out, took me up to the office, asked me how I was. I could tell that he really cared about me and cared about our family. And I found out later that he was called a counselor. And I thought, well, maybe I could do that too. <laughs> and so here we are years later, not just a, as a teacher, but as a counselor, uh, a marriage and family therapist, and a psychologist. And I've been doing that for about 37 years. And 47,000 hours of clinical work and, and Emerge we have seen. At Emerge we see about 650 people a week. We have 40 team members um, and we're here to serve you. Uh, I hope you know that. And on the back of, if you have a credential card, you know that number comes up to Emerge and we're here to serve you and I'm here to serve you. So um, that's how I got to it. It's kind of a, that, that journey out of a painful experience came you know, hopefully that God would use me for this. So, thank you. Thanks for asking. Okay, there's a couple more of these left. There's seats up here if you'd like to sit up here, sir. Hey, hi. How are you? Good to see you, my friend. Man, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, my friend. Did you get one of these? Uh, okay. All right. So there's. Couple more. I'll just pass these. I'll just pass these back if you don't mind. Just back. Yes. A question. Yes, sir. Is it Trivan? Tyron? Okay. With all of the schooling and all the education that you have in secular education, and also being a Christian, how have you merged the two? See, I I cued him up to ask that question because that's what this whole session is about. <laughs> The question was, is how do you integrate basically your faith with the behavioral sciences? That's what this whole session is about, is to be able to do that. So uh, I'm very, I'm happy. And if you'll give me a 45 minutes to answer your question, <laughs> it is such a good question. I'm going to take 45 minutes to answer it. That's all right. So I've uh, been able to uh, teach at uh, AGTS, taught at Trinity out of uh, Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, Singapore, Asia Theological Center, Malawi, Africa, et cetera, et cetera. And it's snowing in Ohio, so here we go. <laughs> Cordell, good to see you, man. All right, so we ready to roll? Okay, is that a good enough introduction? Were you ready to go, Sheila? We're good. Okay, we're on, and I just want to say, introduce the topic. So my assignment today is to really talk to you about uh, some basic counseling skills for those of you who are in ministry. So you can be pastors, teachers, superintendents, uh, pastoral care, but somehow in, or other you are involved in the ministry in your church and that ministry that God has called you to do. 
The last session I just did is called The Way of the Warrior Shepherd. And if you want to download that, that'll be available. But I talked about your, your call. And I talked about continuation. And I talked about conclusion. I said, be sure of your call. Make sure of that. Find your place. Define your place. Refine your pace and finish your race. That's the key thing. So today, I want to talk to you. I'm very pleased to do this. I, this, is, this is a course actually that I've taught many times in graduate school over the last 30-some years. I want to anchor what we do in God's Word, and this may be the beginning of the answer to your question of how we integrate. Primarily, primarily, foundationally, please be men and women of the Word. Nehemiah 8, the people gather around and they said, bring us the Word. Bring us the word. Who's the us? Well, it's the broken. It's the broken. It's the people that are discriminated against. The people that are left out, left behind. It's the broke, the broken, the barren. It's the person that is that person that's going to walk through the doors of your church or that you're going to have interaction with. Come on up here and have a seat if you want. Uh, last one's in, first seat. There we go. It's all good. But, but it's, in other words, who is the us? The us is everyone with whom your life will interact Bring us the word. Bring us the word. Bring us the word. Who's the us? It's that person who's been pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. It's the person who's been touched at the wrong time by the wrong person. The person that's struggled with abuse and self-concept. It's that person that has never felt good enough, tall enough, small enough, wide enough, short enough, thin enough. That's that person that has experienced shame. The person that has experienced abuse. That person who has dealt with pain of life. That's the us. And they say to you, they're saying to you, my brothers and sisters, bring us, bring us the word. Bring us the word. Bring us the word. People need the word. So here's what it comes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All praise to God the Father. I'm going to speak louder than the person in the other room. <laughs> All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort, all comfort. He comforts us. Listen, he comforts us so that we, in turn, may take the healing that we get and take it to those with whom we interact. Listen, your healing is never just for you. Your healing is never just for you. Your healing is for you, but it's never just for you. Your healing is for everyone with whom your life will closely interact and we do this with the sovereign grace and the goodness of God who's called us. Now, I've got a whole paper up here on the role of the church in Christian counseling. I will spare you some of that, but let me get into the talk today. And just as a review, this is an answer to our brother's question. How do we do this? We begin with God. We begin with God, not humankind. We begin with spirit, not matter. We begin with the eternal, not the temporal. We begin with God. That is a Christian worldview of which we begin with the Lord. That is, and I would say we're going to talk a little bit about some of your spiritual qualifications uh, and the helping model. I'm going to give you a model that I've used for many, many years. And we're going to talk, do some practice. Going to do some practice. So what do you do? These are some essential skills. We're going to talk about attending, listening, responding. We're going to talk about empathy skills. We're going to talk about how, what a healing, you know the word therapy? 
You know the word therapy comes from a word therapeuta, which means healing. Interesting. The word psychology actually was penned originally by a writer by the name of Menchthalon, who was a cohort of, of Martin Luther, and the word psychology, psychology, the study of the soul, actually it began. It was the, it somehow psychology lost its soul, and eventually psychology lost its mind. <laughs> but, but, but the original term psychology was the healing and the study of the soul, what the soul care. And so I want to bring this back to us today in which you're called to be involved with God, hand in hand, God working through you for his glory. That's what Ezekiel 38 says, that God chooses to work through you for his glory. And that's why we present our bodies to him as what? As living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. That's why we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what this is all about. So with that in mind, we just simply say that helpers are effective to the degree that their clients through client-helper interactions are in a better position to manage their issues. In other words, to get on with the stuff of life. That's right. So they're better off because they've had an interaction with you, they're better, they're not bitter. <laughs> they're better, they're not worse. They are better because you have come into their life. Think of this as becoming, in some sense, incarnational to them, getting into their world, seeing things through their eyes, feeling their feelings, putting your own issues for a moment on temporary hold to get deeply involved in the life of that other person and bringing the word to them. Okay, you with me so far? If I'm going too slow or too fast, just say speed it up or slow it down, Don. We're good. So what do you bring into this helping relationship? I'll tell you what you bring. You bring you. You bring you. You bring your history. You bring your habits. You bring your image, you bring your self-concept, you bring your generational history, your family of origin history, you bring your personality, your temperament, you bring your race, you bring your gender, you bring you into this relationship. And God uniquely works through you such that there is a, an expression of Christ through you that is not duplicated by anyone else. Think about that. You're sitting here today, a man, a woman, a brother, a sister in Christ, and you say, God, me? Yes, you. God is working through you to bring about his glory. You present your body to him. That's the point. You bring your values. We're going to talk about a model of attending and responding and listening. We're going to cover all of this stuff. And by the way, again, all of these slides are available to you. Download them, use them, teach them, train them. They're available to you. I want to serve you well. So what do you bring? You bring you. You bring your values, belief system, your worldview, your integrity, your paradigms. You bring all of this into that place. Now, why are we doing this session at Synergy? The reason is, is that because you are identified with someone who is in ministry. Please hear this. Because you are identified as someone who is involved in ministry, someone will come to you before they will come to someone like me. You know why? Well, you're free. Cordell, <laughs> you're free. Doesn't charge that much. 
And not only that, but not only are you free, but you're available. You have history with that person. In some cases, you have been with that person from birth all the way through their childhood, all the way through their adolescence, all the way into their young adulthood, middle adulthood, later adulthood. I say into their middle and into their second adulthood. We used to call it midlife crisis. I used to call it middle essence. <laughs> and in other words, you're with them typically through all of those things. And you know them, and they know you. And you're accessible. And yet, and not only that, and by the way, I did research on this. This is what my doctoral dissertation was about a 1,000 years ago. I talked about the role of the pastor in their role as counseling. At a secular university, by the way. Had 230 in my study, ministers. And we found out that ministers like you who are in ministry are faced with the same kinds and the same complexity of issues that someone like me as a trained mental health blah, blah, blah is. They, in other words, they're going to come to you with trauma, hurt, self-concept, anxiety, depression, woundedness, abuse. They're going to come to you with those very same kinds of issues. Brokenness, gender identity. I mean, you talk about people that are confused about everything and hurt and pain in their life. They will come to you first, typically as a first source of help before they will come to someone like me. And yet, do you know how much training most ministers have had in counseling? Most have had one course. Okay, that's why we're doing this class, okay? Because you're going to at least have, I say, if you can't learn anything, at least you'll be confused at a higher level. <laughs> you know? But the fact is that I do want you to have some really basic listening, attending skills. And I can tell you that one of the greatest things that you can do is bring the word, bring the word. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about pounding them necessarily with scripture. I'm saying the word of God engrafted into your soul and spirit so that you're speaking truth to them. You're speaking truth to their issues. You're bringing the word. That's what the people said in Nehemiah, bring us the word. So with that in mind, you bring all of that into the relationship. Three stages, then we're going to get into some practicalities. Number one, it's called what's up. Now, if you want to take a note on that, that would probably just be two words to write, what's up. Stage one of any counseling relationship you come in, I say well-trained mind, Holy Spirit, governed heart. That's the key for Christian counselors. And that's part of the answer to this. You have to be a well-trained man and Holy Spirit governed in your heart. And God will use you. I'm going to tell you, God will uniquely use you in ways that he won't use me. There will be people that you interact with that I'll never even know. There will be people that come into your life that, that will never come into my life. And God works through us to do his work. That's like miraculous in so many ways, right? It's just miraculous. And Vicki, there'll be people that, that come into your life that, that I'll never ever meet, but they're in your sphere, right? That's why your healing is never just for you. It's for everyone with whom your life interacts. That's, good. That's, so That's good. it. So that in mind, number one, stage one is what's happening? What's going on? Tell me your story. Or when someone comes to see me, I'll be, I'll be seeing someone that emerged this coming week from out of town. The first thing I'll do, I'll sit them down. If they want some coffee or something, sit down. And I will look at them and I'll say, why are you here? 
how can I best serve you? Okay, can you just say that to me? Why? Okay, that's, you're already now, freshman, sophomores, already in the graduate class of psychology. <laughs> why, you know, why are you here and how can I best serve you, okay? And then you have to do what? Really listen. There'll probably be nothing more that I say that's more important today than that. Learn how to listen. You would think, done. That should be like the most obvious thing in the world. It's easy to listen. Guess what? It's not easy to listen. Because sometimes when you, and you, you test me on this, you start to share your story, and as soon as you take a breath, this person's telling you their story. Yeah. Well, I, I can identify with that. Let me tell you what happened to me. Well, wait a second. All of a sudden, that conversation's over. Because I come into your life and I say, listen, Trib, Trib, Tyrum, I love that name. I've not heard that name before, Tyrum. I say, Tyrum, why are you here? How can I best serve you? And I better slow down and stop and let Tyrum talk because I want to get into his world. I want to see it through his eyes, feel it through his feelings. I want to be present to him, but I'm doing it mainly by what? What's the word? Listening. Okay. So that's stage one. So then you move from stage one to stage two. That was pretty easy, right? Why are you here? How can I best serve you? And listen. And basically, you can unpack that for weeks and weeks and just say, tell me your story. And let me just, I'll go back to this. And when, you, when someone tells you their story, you have to listen because they're going to start telling you things. I've had people say to me in the last week, I have shared more with you in 15 minutes than I've ever shared with anybody in my life through tears. And why? Because I'm such the great psychologist? No. It's because I took the time to do what? I took the time to listen. Listen. They'll tell you the story. And, and you realize, biblically speaking, that Jesus said it is out of the, uh, of the things that are stored in the heart that the... Do you realize long before Freud and Skinner and Jung and Adler and all these people... Jesus said, those things that are stored on the inside have a way of coming to the outside. Not just through your words, by what you do, what you say. By the way, I'm, I already got you figured out. Everything you do, everything you do, everything you do tells something about you. Everything. The way you wear your hair, the clothes that you wear, the kinds of clothes that you wear. All, everything will tell something. If you went, went to the mall, the kinds of stores that you like to shop in, the books that you like to read, the podcasts you listen to, the people you hang around with, the friends that you have, everything, Cordell, everything tells something about you. And I know Cordell well enough. We've been friends for many years. There's something about this guy. You can't be around him long, but the joy of the Lord yeah. starts <laughs> spilling all over you. You know. I mean, it's just, you, you, he's going to be the kind of person you untie his shoes and up he goes. That's the way it's going to go. <laughs> but but <laughs> I'm embarrassing you, my friend. But the fact of the matter is, is that everything in life is, is, has accumulated here in your heart. Everything. Your biology, your history, your generational, your books that you've read, people you've known, the self-concept, the you messages of childhood that became the I messages of your adulthood, the hurts, the shames, the pains, the choices you've made, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that is here. And Jesus said what is on the 
inside has a way of coming to the that's why you do what you with me all right so step number two you say what do you want or not just why you're here, but what do you want to achieve, or what's the goal, or what's the end point, or what, what, what would it look like? In other words, if you had good healing or good resolution, tell me what it would look like. Now, biblically, here's the way it is. Paul had to say something like, I have put the past, what, behind, and I, yet I am pressing where? Onward. He said, not that I have achieved it i'm not there yet i haven't reached it yet but i'm pressing on towards the mark of the high calling that i have in christ in other words he was able to envision and think about something that had not yet been are you with me so what happens is that when you're in a counseling relationship it's not just why are you here and how can i serve you but what do you want to get out of this what, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want this to look like? What's it going to look like, smell like, be like? What's it going to feel like? In other words, if you have achieved this, what's it going to be like? So your second phase is what's the preferred scenario? The first stage is the present scenario. The second stage is the preferred scenario. You guys are getting this. You guys are juniors already. We're getting here. Preferred scenario. Third stage. All right, here it is. You ready? How do we get there? <laughs> In Akron, anybody here else from Akron? Nobody? Yes, Akron. All right, Mike's from Akron. Close to Akron. We say, this is where the rubber meets the road. That's right. Fun <laughs> intended. That's where we say. That's where the rubber meets the road. The, the third stage is, how do we get there? So how can I serve you? What's the present scenario? Second stage, what's the preferred scenario? The third, the second stage, the third stage is how do we get there? Okay, so far, this, you're getting this down, right? You can memorize this. Present, preferred, goals, how to get there. All right, you're getting the framework of how to do it. So you're going to jump right out of here, and you're going to look for the first person you see in the hallway and say, let me counsel you. <laughs> Been through Dr. Don's 101 class. <laughs> and you're going to grab them and button them, hold them, and say, all right, tell me what's going on. <laughs> all right, so how do you, what goes on with this? Well, the first thing is the use of your, of your body to let somebody know that you're paying attention to them. Have you ever talked to somebody? And, and they're telling you their story, and you're looking all over. You're looking this way, that way. How does that feel? You're telling, yeah, or I'm looking at my watch, or I'm leaning back. I'm, that, listen, this is not how to do it. <laughs> I'm giving you an example how not to do it. Okay? But do you realize that your, your body is used by God to minister presence to that person that you're helping? You listen to them. You move towards them. You watch them. You're not staring them down, but you're, but, you, but you're aware of their eyes because the emotions are primarily expressed through the eyes. You watch what's going on. 
And that's why when people start to experience their emotions, their eyes start to well up with tears. They're, they begin to express emotions. Jesus, when he was lamenting over the city of Jerusalem, he wept over the city. He said, I would have gathered you together like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. When his friend Lazarus died, and he's been dead four days, Jesus wept. All right, so how do you do it? You use your body, and I'm going to ask you to practice this. So whatever you got in your lap, go ahead and just put it to the side a second. And you're going to practice. This is called the SOLER model, S-O-L-E-R. S-O-L-E-R. You ready? All right. Squared up. Open. I'm not crossing my legs all over the place and folding my arms. I'm squared up, I'm open, I lean a little bit, right? Eye contact, E, and I stay relaxed. Oh, tell me everything. No, no, no. That's not going to come across too well. It's squared up, you stay open, lean a little bit towards them, maintain eye contact, stay relaxed. Okay, the S is what? Square, and the O is? L, E. Stay. All right, senior level, senior level, senior level. Okay, so when you do this, you're practicing this solar model. And then I want to ask, let's get a little bit into your heart and say, what's your attitude towards that person that's, that's in front of you? What's your attitude? Do you, do you really see that child, that man, that woman, that teenager, that person that looks a little different Maybe they got the studs and the pokes and the hair and the blah, 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 and the twos and all, everything else. Maybe they don't smell so good. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they whatever. What's your attitude towards them? Or can you be the man or woman that brings them the word? Can you bring them the word? There's a world out there that is so desperate for you, what you have to give to them and to bring to them. Believe me. All right, so I'm going to watch our time here. How we do, what time do we start? start? Okay, we're good. All right, so you, what's your attitude? Are you present to them? What's the attitude that I convey? Am I giving them attention? Am I listening? Am I listening to them, but am I also attuned to the work of the Holy Spirit? I've had, I can't even tell you how many times over the years, we're in a tough situation, and I feel this prompting of the Holy Spirit. Ask this question. Do that. There's an expectancy, just like Brother John said this morning in our opening session. Expect God to show up. Expect there to be a manifest presence. You are a man and a woman of the Word of God filled with His Spirit. You are available to the Lord for His work to bring healing to the lives of people that are in front of you. And you say, why are you here? How can I serve you? What do you have in mind? What's the goal that you have? How do we get there? And you use your body to let them know that you're paying attention to them. Isn't this fun? Doesn't this make you just want to get out and keep going with it? I love it. I mean, this is like, yes. Okay, so with that, attending skills. Let's just talk about attending, then we'll talk about some listening. All right, attending skills start with first contact. That person walks into the room or they're sitting out, uh, outside your office. So in other words, you recognize them. 
right away. People want to be recognized. You say, hey, how are you? I'm missing you. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad you're here. I mean, I, that's, I mean, you're already doing counseling before they even sit down in the office. I mean, you're attending to them, right? These are, these are attending skills. So the attending skills begin, Mike, they begin at the first time you have eye contact with that person. You meet their eyes and you say, and you look at them, you smile, man, I'm glad you're here. And I can tell you, I mean, there's sometimes when that happens, I mean, you get them in the office, they can't wait to get to your office because they want to unload their heart on, uh, uh, to you. You know, that's what happens. All right, so let's just talk a little bit, let's talk about this a little bit more. So you watch their body language, you watch their eyes, you watch their posture. If, you, if they start to talk about a particular subject, do they close up? And by the way, with attending skills, I think I said this. Maybe I put this on the last slide. Uh, be aware of where they sit and how they sit. I've had some great experiences over the years. I've had couples come in, for example. They'll walk in, and the guy will say to his wife, you know, because I have a couch and an easy chair in my chair. He says to his wife, you sit there on the couch, and he pulls the chair up next to my chair. And he sits down. <laughs> He's going to be my co-therapist <laughs> to fix his wife. Now, listen, he has said a lot without saying anything. <laughs> so you understand, right? People will say a lot. Other situations, you're, you, sit, you have a couch, for example, and you say you can sit wherever you want, and uh, they'll come in and sit on the couch. And, if I, and I have pillows usually. They'll sit as far away as they can on the couch, and they take those pillows and they stack them up in between. Now, they haven't said a word, but they have said a lot. <laughs> you with me? So in other words, pay attention to everything that goes on. There's not a moment that you cannot be paying attention. You have to pay attention to every movement, every eye contact, every body shift. Uh, a lot of times people will they'll start talking about issues, and they're this uncomfortable, and they'll start preening. They'll start doing this kind of thing, or they'll look away, or they will... You know, they, in other words, watch what's going on. Be, this is called having emotional intelligence, EQ and SQ, in, in addition to your high IQ. Okay? You with me? Pay attention. Pay attention to every, every little nuance. If they, you know, I mean, I've had, I could just tell a lot. This one guy's, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm just doing great. And he's sitting there like, like I said, you feeling okay? He said, oh, yeah, I'm perfect. Just, just like, I'm there like wanting to give this guy an enema or something, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's just like, he's in pain, he's in pain, and, and, and he's, not, he's not aware that his body is shouting what's going on on the inside. Remember, everything we do tells something about us, what's on the inside as a way of coming to the outside, and our body language speaks volumes. Now listen, if you're there and you're cold and you cross your arms, I'm not going to overly come to terms with judgment on that. But on the other hand, if you're doing just fine and we start to talk about that situation and all of a sudden the legs cross and the arms cross and you start to look away, whew, 
Here's something to remember. You ready? You want to write this down? Follow, follow the path of resistance. Follow the path of resistance. You go into a cave and you go down this, uh, this hole in the cave, no problem. This hole in the cave, no problem. This hole in the cave, no problem. You go down the hole in this cave and all of a sudden, phew, guardedness and defensiveness. Guess what? The goodies are right behind there. Follow the path of resistance in your counseling, okay? All right, so, uh, you know, be aware of traps in counseling. We probably don't have to say a lot about this other than just be aware. I cannot be so sanctified as a man that I can forget that I'm a man. And so, therefore, if there's this long frontal hug with a female that's not my wife, and I look forward to that, oh, I can't wait. It's called sloppy agape. That's what it's called. You've seen that in the church sometimes, right? I've been in churches where they cannot wait for the moment of hugging. Because, I mean, there's just the beeline to that particular one, you know. Well, avoid counseling traps. Be careful. It's not just your intent. You say, well, I never intended. Well, the, the, the intents of your, of your heart are skewed. Yep. The heart is what? Deceitful above all else. Jeremiah 17, 9. Who can know it? Believe me, there's a lot that goes on below the level of even your conscious intention. All right, so let's keep moving. So what you do is you're listening to key narratives. You're listening to how they refer to themselves. There's sometimes people will start using the word you when they're really talking about them. That's always a little bit of a distance. That Well, you know that you always do that. And they're, I said, what do you mean you? You who? You who? You. Oh, me. Okay, me. I'm talking about me. So what you're doing is you want the person to refer to themselves, and you listen to how they refer to themselves. And this is a key word to think. What are some of the recurrent themes? Now remember, can I have your eyeballs for a minute? The person that you're working with may not be aware that they are sharing themes with you. But if you listen to them, that's why you must do what? Squared up, open, lean, eye contact, relax, and listen. Because as you listen, you begin to find out what's on their heart. And as you begin to find out what's on their heart, you begin to look at the themes of their life. These are the things, like, it's like for example, uh, what is your first name? Right? Okay, Sarah. So if I were to say to Sarah, Sarah, tell me your story. You've got... Three minutes, tell me. I won't do that. I promise I won't embarrass you. <laughs> Sarah's out throwing you. No. But so if I were to say to Sarah, if I, if, I, if I were to say to Sarah, tell me your story, you know, take five minutes and tell me your story. And then a week later, I said to Sarah, Sarah, tell me your story. And a, and a month later, I'd say, Sarah, tell me your story. You know, her story would be pretty much the same story because it's her story. These are called themes. Watch, listen to the person's themes. What are the recurrent things that would just keep coming up over and over again? That's where the person's issues are. It's the themes of their life. doesn't mean they're necessarily problems. Because Sarah, uh, not knowing her, Sarah, I suspect, has been a winner all of her life. And I, and I talk about leaders. And I say, you know, talk to me about leadership. Well, they say, well, in third grade, I was the one that the students, the other friends asked me to ask the teacher if we could have extra recess. And then in sixth grade, I got elected class president. And in eighth grade, I blah, blah, blah. In other words, if you have a theme in your life, that theme will tend to what? Keep showing up. So you listen to themes. Tell me that's interesting. 
That is really interesting. Listen for the themes. And listen to how they see themselves and listen to how they view God. In large part, our self-concept is formed in the first three or four years of life. Our God concept is formed shortly after. Our God concept is primarily, not always, primarily formed by the expression that we had, particularly with a father, but with an adult. We begin to have a view of God. But I can tell you, people say, whoa, you're a psychologist. You're always talking about self-esteem. You're always talking about self-concept. Yes, I am. And the reason I am is because if you have an unhealthy self-concept, it will lead you into codependency. It will lead you into a bad relationship. It will lead you into addiction. It will lead you into self-destructive behavior. Because if you don't believe that God loves, values, forgives, changes, is always with you, that God has redeemed you, if you have not had that sense of the glory of God in your life, you're going to be bound by those things that you've learned to believe about yourself. Question. Help that person to think about their thinking. Listen for wounds. Listen for unmet expectations. Listen to how they refer to themselves. You listen to others. You listen because the mouth speaks what is in the heart, Luke 6, 45. You listen to what others say, and you listen to how it is said. Not They will use words like never. I can never do that. I'm always. They use. Do you understand how important it is to listen? You have to listen to every little, single, tiny word that that person says because those words matter words have the power of life words have the power of death words matter words mean something listen to the words and then bring them the word what does god say about you well god loves me while i was still his enemy jesus died for me he values me, not silver, gold, anything that's perishable. Christ gave his precious blood for me. Lovable, valuable, forgivable. First John 1, 9, if I confess he is faithful to and to, that's forgiveness. And there is, I'm changeable, thank God. <laughs> you know, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, but when I became a, I put away, I'm growing up. It's called sanctification. And Jesus said, I will never leave you lovable, valuable, forgivable, changeable, never alone. If you can get someone to believe that, if you can help them to see that's their God concept, do you realize that it's impossible to hold very long into a negative God concept? or It's hard to hold on to a positive God concept and a negative self-concept. Your self-concept is formed early on. It's resistant to change. Your God concept is formed next. You change the God concept, and you begin to see the self-concept changed. Because if, I, if you really believe that you're lovable by God, if you really believe that you're valuable, if you really believe that you're forgivable, if you really believe that you're changeable, that you can change, if you really truly believe that you're never, ever going to be alone, friend of mine six weeks ago was in a skiing accident and for the rest of his life he's never going to walk again i'll tell you what you better have it solid that you're never going to be alone because in those moments you're going to feel very alone when i was diagnosed with cancer 
12 years ago. I felt very alone. I was scared to death. I didn't know what was going to go on. I had no, I'd never even heard of the cancer that I had, much less know what was going to happen. But, you know, it's in those moments that you better have it solid in your heart that you're never alone, that Jesus is with you. And you see, that's called integration. You bring the truth <laughs> into that. And that's not only good theology, it's good psychology. You with me? All right, so that's it. And listen to what the person says, how they say it. Are they trying to impress you? Oh, my Lord Jesus. There's times when someone will come into my office and try to impress me. Like how big their church is. How many people on their staff. How many campuses they have. And I have to look at them in the eyeballs and say, look, I don't care. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but you, can you kind of get the picture in Matthew 24? They're walking by the temple, and the disciples said, Hey, Jesus, in case you missed it, look at this beautiful temple. Look at all the stones. I'm sure Jesus was probably thinking, Have you guys looked up into the sky lately? You see that universe out there? Do you see those galaxies, the planets, the stars? Do you see every bit of those galaxies and everything that's like that? And you want me to be impressed by stones in your temple? <laughs> but Jesus says, I want to know who, I want to know who you are, right? I want to know you. And so you get into, here's a nice picture. <laughs> it's supposed to be candid camera, right? So you get the point, right? You listen with discernment. You listen, you keep attuned to the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, you're aware of what's going on in the life of that person. Okay, how are we doing? We're good? Keep attuned to the Holy Spirit, what to look for. We already talked a little bit about that and how to ask questions. All right, now, when you ask a question, you watch their body language. You watch if they touch their face, if they do pruning. It's interesting how when you, you guys are going to all be real... You'll be such experts, people are going to be afraid to be near you now. They're going to say, oh, here comes that grace. She's, she's analyzing me, you know. You know, because they're looking at my eyes, looking at my body language, they're looking at all these things. And, and the fact is, is that, that, remember, everything we do tells something about us, right? Everything we do. People get very nervous when I say that. They say, Dr. Litchie, he's got me all figured out. I said, I had you figured out within the first 10 seconds. Don't worry about it. So listen to what they say, how they say it, how they respond to themselves. Are they talking too much? Oh, by the way, we've started a new 12-step group at Emerge for people that talk too much. It's called On and On and On. It's part of the new Celebrate Recovery group <laughs> for people that talk too much. There you go. So you just listen very carefully what the person says. And when you ask a question, don't ask 16 questions. Ask a question. Ask one question. And when you ask a question, if you want them to open up, you don't ask a question that can be just answered yes or no. Or a teenager, you know, uh, are you okay? Yep. And then you have to ask another question. If you say, tell me what's going on. How's your life? Tell me what's happening with you. They can't just answer that with a, 
mm, or a yeah or a no. In other words, if you want them to open up, ask a question that cannot be answered yes or no. Now, you have some people that should be part of the 12-step group of the on and on and on, <laughs> and you want to what? Close them down. So then you ask them, okay, what's the top thing you want to work on? What's the number one issue in your life? You want to close them down. You with me? Do you realize your, the way you ask questions is powerful? I mean, really, really powerful, the way you ask questions. All right, so uh, real quick, when you're, you're going to be dealing with people that are coming out of an affair or they're in an affair, they're thinking about ending the affair, or they've just been caught in an affair, I'm telling you, this is one of the common things. And this is just one of these little examples. Do I have an example on here? Okay, here's steps, here's steps to ending that is an example. You remember The Princess Bride, the movie? Some of you remember that? Well, is he dead? Yeah, he's dead, but he's not dead, dead. <laughs> I remember one time a client came in, she had been at the gym, and she had just had this crazy experience at the gym where this guy was lifting weights, and he was sitting on the bench, and he died, <coughs> sitting up. And she said, he was dead. I said, dead? She said, dead. I mean, dead? She said, dead, 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 dead. He was dead. <laughs> I said, this guy was dead. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. So when, a re, when an extramarital relationship is dead, it means dead. Not almost dead. I've had someone come and say, well, I just wanted to talk to her friend to see how she's getting along. I just wanted to just make sure she was okay. <laughs> Can you say dumb? Can you just say word <laughs> dumb? I mean, you talk about the road to stupidville. That's the road to stupidville. That's what it is. So no contact means no contact, no texting, no following, no third-party information. That person is over, done, 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 dead to you. All right, stay with me. All right, so attending skills. So we talked about attending a little bit. I'll just kind of move on. Be aware if you are too close. Remember, your body has a presence. Now, probably uh, this one, I'm, I'm actually a little bit out of the picture. It should be me right there. So it's about three to five feet in our culture is pretty appropriate. But if I start to move in, it's gonna get real. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> like, oh man, like how does this person get out of my face? <laughs> you realize if you're too close to somebody, that's gonna be, that's why in an elevator you do what? <laughs> you stand there like that, right? And, but, you know, there's a certain, in our culture, usually three to five feet is an appropriate space, not a mile apart. You've seen, I've seen people, uh, <laughs> the doctor I knew, had this gigantic football field length desk, you know, and you're all the way down there, and he's all the way up here. How you doing? Well, you're not going to feel that connected. So three to five feet is pretty much appropriate, okay, so far. All right, so you watch what they're saying. I'm just going to kind of move into this a little bit to get into some of these other issues. You listen, 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 
listen and you listen. You listen to both. It's a skill. It's an art. It's a gift to the client. What should we listen for? You listen to how they refer to themselves, the key words, the themes of their life. What do they use for emotional words? In other words, you, I mean, it's hard to listen, right? Because you're going to be putting a lot of energy. So I've actually had people say, you, you just sit around and just listen to people all day? <laughs> they don't have a clue about what, I mean, you're listening, you're observing, you're watching, you're attending, you are there, you're incarnate into their life. No, that listening takes a lot of your energy. It takes a lot of energy. And Jesus was a really good listener. So you listen and you stay out of your autobiography long enough to get into their world. But listen, you walk out of this room in a few minutes and you start to just share something a little bit about yourself and see how long it takes for that person to start telling you something about them. That, it just happens all the time. But if that person asks you a second question, well, what's that like? Well, okay, tell me more. How did that feel? In other words, they ask you a second question and a third question. You get into their world, right? You temporarily suspend your own. Listen, practice that, okay? Because, I mean, you may find yourself. I mean, I've got a sister. I've one of my four sisters. I won't tell you the name in case it's, this is being recorded. And <laughs> I'm, I think I'm in her will, so i got to be careful. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'll, she'll say, you know, I, I just got back from this ministry tour in Arizona, right? I'm there, for, I'm there for almost five weeks, but the first two and a half weeks, I speak 15 times. Guy with cancer, right? 15 times. And, uh, and, and, and we have all these experiences. Well, how was Arizona? Well, it was great. It, you know, we had this very busy schedule, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you how busy my schedule's been the last few weeks. Okay, all of a sudden, guess what's that conversation? Over. You understand how important it is to get into the other person's world Ask them a second question. Ask a third question. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your ears. Listen with your body. Okay, so uh, where are we at? Oh, I want to give you some quick skills. These are some of your basic skills. By the way, download these. Did I say you can download these and use them? Take them. Use them. Train them. Take, take them for your, your groups. All right, so silence. You, does any of you guys get the uh, Influence magazine? I have an article in this month's Influence magazine on silence, on being still, quiet, be, be still. If you had a chance, I co-authored with Dr. Crosby from Emerge. So silence is, it creates a little bit of tension. Acceptance, okay, I see, mm-hmm, nod your head, tell me more. Reflection, I restate what you just said. Uh, Clarification, help me, and this is one of the powerful leads that I use all the time. I say, say the same thing in a different way. <coughs> what does that communicate? I care about what you're saying, and I really care to understand what you're saying. So would, just tell me, tell me again, say it in a different way so I, can, so I can get it, right? Are you with me? That's a powerful, powerful lead to draw someone out, okay? Now, how can you do that? You can stay out of your own autobiography, tell me more. Help me to understand. Give me an illustration. Okay, remember, stage one is what's happening. Stage two, where do you want to go? Stage three, goal setting, how do we get there? And you use your body, time, space to let the person know that you're paying attention to them. You're getting into their world. You accept them. Do you know that Jesus demonstrated for us that you can accept a lot of things you don't have to approve of? 
Isn't that true? The woman at the well, for example. Jesus said, where's your husband? Well, I don't have a husband. You know what? You're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're shacking up with now, you haven't even bothered to marry. Well, he didn't condemn her. He accepted her. He didn't condemn her. And she was changed as a result of that interaction. And she went back to her town and she said, come and meet the man that told me everything I've ever done. (laughs) Now, Jesus didn't do that, but she knew that he could. (laughs) And you see, that's just so oftentimes where we think, oh, if I don't don't accept you, I can't approve. If I approve, then I'm accepting, blah, blah, blah. Don't, Don't get lost in all of that stuff. Be aware of asking too many questions. We've already talked about that. Be aware of jumping to conclusions too quickly. Uh, People are going to say, tell me what I should do. People people come all the time, well, should I divorce him or not? He's a bum. (laughs) Well, I can agree, he probably is. But listen, this this is my key point. I, DL, do not have to live with the consequence of that choice. They do. So what you do is you draw it out of them and you give them the, be- the benefits and the pluses and the minuses. You help them work it all out. You try to be biblical in everything that you do. But basically, if someone is demanding of you to tell them what to do, be cautious about that. But it's almost like the first thing that a parent does. Well, if I were you, I would. I'm not you. <laughs> I've never been you. I'm not going to be you. And you're going to walk out of this office and make a life-changing decision, of which I do not have to live with the consequences of that choice. That's one of the toughest choices someone will ever make. Now, you be with them, you walk with them, and you say, look, I will support you in the decisions that you make. As long as I can, biblically, I will do that. But I'm not the one that's going to make that call for you because you're the one that has to live with all of those consequences. Are you with me? All right. All right, summary and conclusion. Here we go. And then we'll take some time for questions well we got five minutes (laughs) all right so what do you bring to the relationship you bring you with all of your life story you bring you you bring it in and you enter into the world of the counselee it's a general model it's the stage one stage two stage three stage one why are you here how can i serve you tell their story listen for themes stage two where do you want to go what's the goal where do you want to go how do you go and then stage three how do we get there? Okay, you got that down? That's, that's good to have a model like that. You use your body time. You move into their world. And you structure the relationship by saying, look, when we meet together, and by the way, it's true, even if you're a lay person, you have a certain responsibility of confidentiality. It's not absolute, but it's if a person's at risk to harm themselves or someone else, you have to protect them, and you break the confidence to protect them, or if they're intending harm or if they're abusing a child or something like you have to break the confidence. But short of that, the things that they share with you, think of that as a sacred, sacred trust, that someone is sharing something that's important. Please don't put it on the prayer chain. Please don't allude to it in your prayers at the end of the service. Oh, we got this sister and this brother in here. They're having major... Oh, man, they're having to deal with a moral. I mean, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep their confidence. And I always say, look, 
we have three responsibilities. One, uh, I'm going to listen and try to understand. I want you to be open and honest. I always tell people that every single session of every single person I work with, I say, your job is to be open and honest. I'm going to listen and try to understand. We share confidentiality. There's a lot of decisions you'll make, and there's a lot of things you can learn in this relationship that will help you in your life. Wasn't that easy to do that? And help people to get past their past because they are sometimes so shackled by their history that they can't get past it. So we talked about shame last session. I talked a little bit about the you messages that become the, by the way, last session will be recorded as well. It was recorded, so you can download that. Just deal with, help, just get into that world, that person. What are they saying to themselves about themselves? How do they see themselves? And bring them the love of Christ, and you help them to see things differently. And you get into their world, and you talk to God. And we talked about praying through last session, about talking to God honestly, praying it through, allowing the Holy Spirit to help you see things differently. Because a lot of people believe lies about themselves that are not true at all. And then finally, just simply say that, that God says to you, regardless of everything that goes on here, understand that you really are lovable. You're loved by God. You're valuable. You're forgivable. You're changeable. You're never alone. And, you know, thanks for just being here. Thanks for the fun that we've had today. And just uh, recognize that, that the, it, where God has us in this world right now, in your role, in your role, in your role, in your role, 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 you're going to interact with people that I'll never see, never touch this side of heaven. But God has called you to be men and women of the word. Bring the word, because people are crying out. Bring us the word. Amen? Oh, can I just pray with you, and then I'll take a couple of questions. I know you guys probably have to get to your next session. So in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, for brothers and sisters. Oh, God, I pray anointing. I pray blessing. I pray health, and I pray, Lord, strength. I pray courage to enter with courage into the life of the people that you bring across their path because they need and they're crying out, bring us the word. Bring us the word. I pray that we'll be men and women of the word, the living word, the written word, the Holy Spirit, powered, governed in our hearts to enter into the life of that person and bring them the truth of Jesus Christ. In his precious name I pray, amen.